0: Atheist podcast. I'm your host, The Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host and producer...
1: Right Leader. Hey, guys.
0: And today we're talking about why homosexuality has become so accepted so quickly. It's, it's really happened in rapid succession. Not only are we going to talk about that, we're going to talk about the possible slippery slope of the acceptance of homosexuality in general that has seemingly, in my opinion, led to transgender and possibly... Pedophilia. After all, we now call a lot of people called pedophiles, maps, minor attracted persons. Okay, brighter later. You had the article you wanted to start with.
1: Yeah, I I should say uh, before I start to read it that uh, I think uh, the impetus for this conversation is I think I broached it to CA, and uh, I believe initially you thought that uh, your theory for why gay marriage became so accepted was due to. I guess them essentially just shaming people and just beating it over their head and telling people that they're bigots if they don't accept it. And I was a bit more uh, skeptical of that approach or that skeptical of that argument. And I found a, as an, I always thought that probably had something more to do with kind of an in group kind of bias and it would just kind of uh, permeate people's people's in group to just be permeated by gay people uh, kind of naturally. And that's what led to the acceptance. And to kind of back up this argument, uh, the best kind of defense I found of this particular argument came from a Washington Post article from 2019 <laughs> that uh, had to deal with this, which uh, it was a it was uh, categorized as perspective, and it had to do with uh, why did gay marriage become uh, defended or why did gay marriage become accepted so rapidly? And it started off by showing how unprecedented gay marriage is in regards to other social movements, and it used as an instantiation this uh, I guess this gay family or I guess this uh, evangelical family that had a gay kid. But uh, to start off, it said, the more connections America made with gay or lesbian people, the more positive their attitudes toward them became. A trans-social science is called the contact hypothesis. And families like the Augustans were forced to resolve an internal dilemma that social science is called cognitive dissonance. When two beliefs come into co- are conflict in our minds, our brains are not good at just holding the conflict. We have to resolve the conflict.
0: Yeah I mean that's true and I and I do believe that I do believe that uh I, I mean there's there's things in this article that has changed my mind but I definitely think the whole shame and uh and social pressures have also played a role in it.
1: Yeah I would definitely uh concede that uh, that's definitely part of the picture but I think there is truly a, and maybe some people have seen it from their own instance but you have to understand a lot of people just presuppose gay people are bad from their own ethical or moral system. And then they kind of run into that kind of runs, uh, that kind of runs into some trouble when, if you have a gay loved one, you know, and the question is, okay, if they're doing something that's horribly sinful and we love them should, uh, what do we do? Do we just kind of jettison our belief or do we essentially jettison our kid, you know? (laughs) And as kind of the article says, I mean, that kind of like cognitive dissonance, or that kind of, or what would often lead to cognitive dis- dissonance. That's going to cause a lot of mental strife, and I think you need to get out of it. And I, I realize that the alternative some people might uh, kind of heed what's going on there and say, "Okay, well, that might be a problem." But some people, I've heard Christians also say that, uh, "Oh, well, they're sinning, but uh, they we all sin, so it's okay." Which I actually don't think that's that plausible. I mean, when I think of a sinner, I think of somebody that's doing horrible things, and I can't imagine a parent just saying okay, my kid's a horrific sinner, but I still love them, you know? <laughs> it just seems, especially with something that's such an integral part of their identity, like their sexuality,
0: you know? Well, well, there are people that have sons and daughters that are criminals, that are murderers, that are, you know, part of the mafia, bank robbers, drug dealers, and they say, I hate the sin that they're committing, but I still love the person. Yeah. But it- so, that, you know, that, that does exist.
1: Yeah, I'd still say with the, I mean, I've still seen gay people that, uh, or not gay people, uh, a lot of evangelical Christians will say stuff like that. I just still think it's too far-fetched, and I still think you're in some sort of cognitive dissonance, and I don't think that's enough of a reprieve for them. (laughs) But... uh, the other thing, this article to read the next paragraph, uh, the article kind of compares it with other movements, social movements that haven't gained as much of a plurality so fast or as much as acceptance so fast. And it says, if the relationships gay and lesbian people have with those close to them were so crucial in building support for the gay rights movement, why haven't these connections been as instrumental in changing attitudes about African-Americans, <laughs> the elderly or overweight people? So this kind of poses the question of, uh, why is it the case that gay marriage, uh, uh, garnered so much acceptance, whereas uh, other movements didn't, which uh, I think there's kind of a politically incorrect opinion for that. But uh, it then goes on to say, what might be different about the gay community? Bonja speculated is that even before a person came out, love was in place. A parent or co-worker already knows and loves a gay person and then discovers a person's sexuality, which is often not obvious right away. That, I think, is a very different that I think is very different from something like age or race or body weight that just presents itself immediately upon seeing a person for the first time. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, I will say the, the one thing that doesn't make sense is that, uh, they keep, uh, positing or she in the uh, body weight, which <laughs> I don't know if that causes much stigma or much strife. I mean, I've been overweight in my life and I don't feel particularly oppressed over it,
0: you know? Yeah. And, and families, I mean, maybe in public, uh, maybe somebody could give somebody a dirty look or something or snicker or say something that's not so nice, but, as far as like, you know, on families and all that, I don't think, I don't think it's as big a deal as what people are making up.
1: Yeah. Also, it makes no sense because, uh, like somebody could get fat later in life, you know, and you could still love them. The, right. Like exactly. It's, uh, which I, I kind of undercuts their idea. Cause the whole point with uh, being gay is that you're typically going to come out later in life. And before that point, you're not going to know. So you should, right. but, uh, the other problem I have with, uh, guess it's not, to, uh, not much of a, well, not really a problem, but, to. I think this also is a good argument for my kind of instance, because if you look at all the other social movements that uh, just do not gain as much salience or much acceptance, which uh, the, the one difference that gay marriage has or gay rights has is that uh, you really do not know if a person's gay. And in that sense, they can really kind of seep into your in-group uh, uh, unnoticedly. And then eventually they're probably going to come out as gay. But once they come out as gay, they're typically going to be part, seen as kind of, kind of part of like your tribal or your family or what have you. Right. and therefore become more accepted which I think once again is another argument for this kind of inducing some sort of cognitive dissonance I'm not I'm not as
0: I personally am not as accepting of homosexuality as the, I think a lot of people are um, I, I don't have anything against homosexuals I don't want to see them harmed um, I don't go out of my way to make them you know to hurt their feelings or whatever but uh, I, they do make me feel uncomfortable it, it does make me you know there's the ick factor. And I used to think that that, I just felt that way about gay men and I was okay with lesbians. But if you've ever been around butch lesbians, I kind of feel that way about them too. Just the way I do the gay guys, maybe the feminine lesbians, not as much, but the butch, the butch lesbians just as almost not quite, but almost as in my mind is repulsive and repugnant as, as the gay males.
1: Yeah. I, I would say that there is a bit of a difference between, uh, I guess what a lot of people originally think with gay merge that to uh... It's actually just an innately sinful thing, and thinking that uh, it's kind of gross, in, in that sense, and I don't know, you're just very grossed out by it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, with me, I, I it's not sinful because I'm an atheist, but it it's it just seems unnatural to me. It really yeah. does. It's uh, it's you know, people say, well, I can't help the way I feel. Well, I can't help the way I feel. Yeah, that's true. You don't choose to be a homosexual, and I don't choose to be uh, disgusted by it.
1: Right. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a fair argument. Yeah, I, I it's, it's, think...
0: a, it's not a choice. It's an it's an automatic knee jerk reaction.
1: Yeah, those bigots are claiming that uh, your innate disgust of homosexuality is a choice. Right. Just their to...
0: their 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 love for penis is is uh, innate, but my my disgust for them loving penis is somehow a choice. So I don't think that's how it works.
1: Yeah. I should say going on, it it touches a little bit more on the, oh, I highlighted this and it touches a little bit more on kind of the racial aspect or or differentiating with the racial aspect saying, geographic and social segregation play roles too. It's hard for bias challenging face-to-face contact to take place when African Americans and the elderly, for example, are not well integrated into neighborhoods or social spaces due to the present day and historic discrimination. So I guess I would obviously kind of push back against this hypothesis and, a big reason why I push back against this hypothesis, and this is where I made it a little bit politically incorrect, is that... Uh, well, I think uh, it's definitely the case that you can have a lot of positive uh, interactions with people, and that could change your view views. I think it's the case that uh, there are some pretty bad groups or some, some groups that uh, don't have the best values and don't live in the best atmosphere or environments or produce the best environments. You know. So
0: so I truly have no idea why anybody has anything against somebody that's old. I don't. I have, I have no idea why people... I mean can they be somewhat annoying sometimes in certain situations and is it frustrating and aggravating when they seem like they're completely clueless of course it does but to truly say that you have something against them i i i don't i don't get that um as far as uh, other you know say black people for instance uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of other factors that are involved with deep you know there's there's violent crime stats there's all sorts of statistics there's all sorts of other other issues that play, that come into fact come to play, and uh, you know, so um, I don't think it's I don't think it's apples and apples.
1: Yeah, this kind of like contact hypothesis that they seem to be cashing all their theory out of or cashing everything out of uh, to support their theory. The problem with that is, that
0: well, their idea is, is that if you any anybody you get to know, first of all, that's not true on an individual basis, and it's not true on a group basis. the The idea is that any group or individual you know, if you get to know them better, you're going to like them better. No. right I've met many many people where I was okay with them, or I was indifferent, or I even liked them at the beginning. And uh, the more I got to know them, the more I couldn't stand the person. So if that's true about that's true about individuals, why could it not be true about groups?
1: Yeah, I'd also say that uh, maybe something that they're slightly uh, uh, that they're not taking into account is that uh, I can go into a very kind of stereotypical gay area, and while I might be kind of irked or might think some of it's weird. Uh, It's pretty much going to be a safe and kind of higher social economic area, you know, right. Whereas if I go to the average black area, that's not going to be the case, you know, right. Completely different,
0: completely, completely different situation. Um, Just a completely different situation. It's not they're not they're not comparable at all.
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, going on, we're almost done. It says what perhaps what's perhaps most surprising is that support for same sex marriage has increased among nearly all demographic groups across different generations. Partisan lines and religious faith, even among the most persistent religious groups, white evangelical Protestants like the Augustine family support for same-sex marriage has grown from 11% in 2004 to 29% in 2019, according to Pew. So I support.
0: I'm mean, again. I'm an atheist. I, I, I always have to say that. You know, you think conservative atheist, the name would be enough, but it's it never is. So. People are constantly asking, well, you know, because God says so. So I, I have to keep reiterating. I'm an atheist, but I'm against gay marriage. And here's my, here's my rationale behind it being uh, behind being against gay marriage. Uh, all things being equal, if a child is coming up for adoption, all things being equal. And every time I say this, somebody says, well, what if the, the heterosexual couple is uh, drug-addicted axe murderers and the gay couple are, you know, Supreme Court justices? Uh, no. I will repeat all things being equal the the child should go to the heterosexual couple and it's because it's they truly get a male female masculine feminine role model it's the most it's the optimal way it's the most natural way um it, it, I think it gives the most balance to a child's upbringing and development especially in the early stages of life yeah yeah I now say- I do well let me say this i do support i do support gay civil unions and I'm not saying that gay people shouldn't be able to adopt. I'm just saying if it becomes between a heterosexual couple and a homosexual couple, all things being equal, the child should go to the heterosexual couple. Just like if it's a, it's a, it's a couple versus a single a, person, a single, per, a single uh, parent adoption. It should go to the couple because the child has a better chance of being raised by two parents than just one.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I should say to this kind of paragraph, uh, This kind of this actually is decent. This is, I think, good evidence and bad evidence for the argument that uh, this has to do with, uh, I guess, more people, more people just coming out as gay and then just having to resolve it or else or them accepting them or else just staying cognitive dissonance. But the one thing that I think that supports it is, okay. it shows universally that all groups accept gay gay people more and more. And what can be the one common denominator, the most plausible common denominator? They have kind of gay people, or they have gay family members or gay people in their own group. That's a when they're when they are initially in their own group, they don't realize they're gay and then they come out as gay. And then they have to, once they and there they already love them, or how do you have some affinity for them? And there they have to say that, okay, well, what do we do here? You know,
0: that's why well, I, I but my here's my problem with that. So you, you're not, to me, if you're, if you do that, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, and I'm not saying that I don't understand, I I can understand somebody doing that. But to me, if you're sticking by your principles, then finding out that you have a family member or a friend that's gay shouldn't change your principles.
1: Yeah. Well, I should say that. that,
0: Because that means that you're, you're biased and you're using emotions and not logic. And I always, I
1: try to use logic. Yeah, I should say that, uh, I guess what I'm kind of defending right now is I'm not using it from a normative position. I'm just saying how human nature tends to operate. You know? Right, right. But, uh, though, though I would say the other kind of part that undercuts this is that uh, it is the case that uh, Black people are the least supportive of gay marriage, even though you have seen huge strides in that direction. And it's also the case that Black people tend to be the most, uh, well, at least from studies I've seen from The Washington Post, that uh, they tend to be the most openly gay and they tend to be the most uh, uh, closeted gay, you know? <laughs> so. Yes. The question is if, uh, I mean, does it just say that maybe gay, I don't know, black people are most more likely to be Christians than uh, any other group in this country? Does that just say? I,
0: I saw some strange daytime talk show many, 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 many years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember who the host was. I don't remember if it was Phil Donahue. I don't remember if it was Oprah. I don't remember if it was Montel Williams. I don't remember who the hell it was. Jerry Springer. I don't think it was Jerry Springer. I don't remember. But the title of the show was Down Low Men. and apparently that's a euphemism for bisexual men that are in the closet and uh they're talking about how these so-called download men in the black community were spreading uh venereal diseases including hiv uh to women in the community and uh it was i think it's the first time i ever heard the term download man i had no idea what the hell they were talking about that's why i watched part of the program Is to i was like what the hell is a download man okay it's
1: interesting. Yeah, but uh, I guess hey, have you
0: have you ever heard that term before? Because I've I've never heard of it before. Then,
1: yeah, I've heard people say it that you're on the down low. I I don't think I've heard it used in connection with a homosexual men. I don't think it's a I don't think I've heard it used in connection with a bisexual bisexuality. I think it's merely a, or I think it's mostly. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know. I was just saying that they were sleeping with the women, sleeping with the men, and apparently the women were mad because they were
1: catching the diseases.
0: Yeah so that was the premise of the show Uh,
1: yeah i should say that uh, i highlighted two more things i'll I'll just read both of them off at once yeah go ahead but there was something different about uh, the gay and lesbian community compared with other minority groups they were in every social socioeconomic and racial group every generation in small towns and big cities unlike other demographics sexuality is a dimension that is everywhere benju said it is not segregated And I guess the last thing this article or the last thing I highlighted says in conservative evangelical circles like the like the Augustans, the work of changing minds happens even more slowly. But evangelical LGBTQ activist Brandon Robertson said he has seen small but significant shifts, particularly as many moderates and mainstream pastors resort to simply not talking about the issue, which Robertson sees as a positive sleep or a positive step.
0: Yeah, but if if it's a if it's a problem and it actually it actually speaks about it in the Bible, then why wouldn't you talk about it? Yeah. I just unless you're just I mean I understand there's there's Christians that just think it's better just to ignore parts of the Bible, and if that's your position, okay, all right, but don't pretend like you're some biblical God fearing Christian that goes by the Bible because you're not.
1: Yeah, I I should say that uh, it's a bit of an aside, but uh, the one thing I, I guess I would challenge a bit is that uh, and you've even made this point that. Uh, You like when you view kind of a religious reformation, you view as just them ignoring kind of the bad things. And I realize that you might say that to, or homosexuality is not an objective bad thing. But kind of kind of operating from that same principle, you could say that uh, that's just them ignoring the kind of controversial parts.
0: You know. Yep. Yep. That's what they do. And it's not like there's any ambiguity. That it's pretty pretty clear cut.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I should say that to kind of wrapping up this article that uh, as far as where shame comes in in. I don't know if I think you're more sympathetic to the same hypothesis. I'm somewhat sympathetic to it, but I also think the what's really shifted uh, gay marriage over the last couple of uh, the the last 25 years or when it's really seen a substantial gain has been kind of this, uh, in group, this kind of like in group hypothesis where people are just going to come out as gay and they're just going to have to accept it or just live in cognitive dissonance or, or not even really live in cognitive. Yeah, I guess, I guess actually live in cognitive dissonance because presumably they're still going to love them. Well, thinking that their homosexuality is a sin, you know, but uh, well,
0: like I said, if you have a son that's a drug addict or if you have a son that's a criminal or an alcoholic, there's plenty of, of Christians that still love those children and still try to, to work with them and try to have them help them work through their problems that don't stop loving them and don't stop supporting them just because they think that what they're doing is wrong.
1: Yeah, I would say, though, that uh, there's kind of a conservative, this is where I probably uh, disagree a bit. And I'm not quite as much making a normative as I'm just making kind of a descriptive. But uh, I, I think we're the problem with gay marriage is that you have to really pinpoint on what exactly is wrong there. Whereas if you see somebody that's a drug addict, you know, it's easier to pinpoint on what's wrong with them and what's causing harm there, you know, or an alcoholic or like stealing people. But if you're like a homosexual, I, I guess you could say that maybe they could suppress it and still be gay or still have gay urges, and maybe that would be sufficing it. But it's not quite quite clear what's wrong with people that are gay. Whereas it's not like you're gonna to, to put it. Uh, to put, so let me, let
0: me tell you what I think's wrong. Well, can I
1: just let, can I just make a really quick point? Yeah, that go I ahead, think go ahead. That, and of course this is that. Uh, like, I, I don't think you're going to see a slew of Christians uh, support like some sort of gauge, uh, some sort of drug addict alcohol church where they totally wholeheartedly condone what their kids are doing, <laughs> being scumbags, you know, and thinking right. that it's just part of their life. And I think it's obviously much more plausible that, that would happen if gay marriage. I think that, uh, well, there, believe it or not, there have been drug churches,
0: which is strange, but and I, as far as I know, the other stuff no, but there have been drug and, drug churches, alcohol churches. I don't know, but drug churches, definitely. Real big, real popular back in the sixties and seventies. Um, real real, real popular back then, which didn't make any damn sense to me. I was a little kid at the time, but even thinking back on it, I don't, I don't, doesn't make sense to me. So, the, from the from a Christian perspective, I would say that they would say that. In, in fact, in, from a Jewish perspective, perspective, because we're talking about the, the Old Testament, which is the Torah. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, what's wrong is that it's it's against God's word that would be that would be their perspective that's what you could point out to be wrong if you're a christian and if you call, follow christianity i don't now from my perspective uh, i consider it a type of and this is this makes a lot of people mad it makes people madder than it makes people angrier than when i when people say that they're uh, that they're committing a sin or that it's a choice i don't think it's a choice i think it's a type of birth defect i think it's a type of birth defect now whether it's whether it's uh, genetic or whether it's um, or or whether it's gestational meaning it something going wrong during the the development inside the womb or somewhat environment or a, a combination of two or a combination of all three I, I have no idea I think that's a very difficult one to answer maybe someday they'll come up with it I, I don't know yeah. There are different parts of the brain. There's a part of the hypothalamus that's, just, that's shaped and and uh, smaller in gay males and females than it is in straight males. So there are physical differences in the brain. So that, I don't know, again, I don't know if that's caused by genetics. I don't know if that's caused by, they, they say there's a strong chance that it's genetic because if you have identical twins, roughly 70% of identical twins are either straight or gay. In other words, if one's gay, the other one's gay. Seventy percent of the time, which is a strong argument for genetics. <clears throat> yeah, but I do think that environment plays a role because environment plays a role in everything. Yeah. <clears throat> so that being said, I, I consider I consider homosexuality a form of their birth defect. I don't hate them. I don't hate them any more than people that are born with schizophrenia or diabetes or whatever.
1: Yeah, um, I'm not averse to the. Uh, I guess it's kind of an aside, or I guess we're kind of done with the article. But to, I'm not averse to that talk because I really think that uh, at the end of the day, I guess my understanding of evolutionary psychology, which I think pretty much guides most of our actions, or is probably the best kind of uh, principle or kind of philosophy, if you will, to kind of view human nature, is that uh, we're really just meant to get our genes into the next generation. And yeah. obviously, being homosexual, <laughs> that's going to be an impediment to that. You know, so
0: yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, genetic, um, it's a, it's a genetic, it's it's a genetic. Um. oh uh, wow my brain just went blank it's a a genetic dead end okay two guys getting together can't have a kid two two women getting together can't have a kid and uh, you can cause if you have they've tried to devise ways of two men and two women having kids you know from each other and it comes with all sorts of possible
1: genetic flaws yeah um I, I should say that to just kind of put to bookend on the article or to whatever that discussion is, uh, to, I guess, uh, do you view it as, is it mostly due to shame that's a gay marriage uh, that support for gay rights, if you will, change? Or is it to mostly due to some sort of in-group uh, hypothesis or some sort of in-group trauma or in-group conflict, which is kind of what I support, or that obviously that article supported? My,
0: my people- guess would be it would be about 75% in-group, 25% shame.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the one part that I'm sympathetic to is that uh, at the end he brought up the or the last thing I read was kind of, kind of evangelical pastors where the vast majority of them do not talk about gay marriage and don't really talk about it one way or the other or just kind of taciturn on it. I think that's probably due to shame. It could very well be that those people still think homosexuality is wrong, but they don't want to uh, uh, ruffle any feathers, so they don't bring it up. And I think right. that's where I'm most sympathetic to the kind of shame hypothesis uh, taking away, though, though there are still problems with that because if they're uh, still if they're still uh, ardently against gay marriage and they're just worried about being shamed then it should be then it's like or it seems like it would be the case that uh, they're just they're just not against gay marriage whatsoever and they're i am quite in the position they just don't want to be shamed for it you know right but uh, it's so but that's the only where where i think there that's good evidence for shaming a uh, uh taking i guess kind of taking a grip and taking hold and also maybe it is the case that uh that uh, people kind of this cognitive dissonance hypothesis is that uh, maybe, maybe people who are more loose in their religion then maybe somewhat accept some sort of religious creed on, uh, or, uh, uh, homosexuality, they can kind of jettison and it's not really as much of a hypocrisy or not as much, much, or not as much of a problem. Whereas if you're much more devout in your beliefs, then that's going to be much more of a kind of clearing hypocrisy and glaring error. you know, right. But, uh I think it's still very much an interesting uh, question discussion why a uh, gay marriage, uh, became so accepted in the culture. And, uh, and obviously where does it lead, where does it lead us down?
0: I think the next step it leads us down to is, is the, the, everybody gets their own pronouns. Everybody, you know, you're transgender went, went to first, it went to transgender. And that means that if I'm a guy and I say, I'm a girl, you have to believe me. Yeah. I don't have to have surgery. I don't even have to wear lipstick or makeup, or I don't have to dress in a dress. I can just say that I'm a girl. And, you're, and I can dress just like I am now. I can have a deep voice. I can dress just like a man and act like a man. But I self-identify as a woman, and you have to believe me, or you're a bigot. So I think it went to that. And then it transferred from that into everybody can be whatever the hell they want to be.
1: Yeah, I think the, the interesting question is that to, or I think where, where we're most in convergence on is, okay, well, for whatever reason, now gay marriage became accepted. And now it is the case that transgenderism is, is, is a becoming more and more accepted, you know? Right. And I think the question is, how exactly did that happen? And I think it really lies in something that happened with gay marriage. And my, my theory is, and I don't have an ironclad one, but I think this is pretty obvious, is that something in our acceptance of gay marriage and our culture towards kind of uh, acceptance of gay marriage, so, some like thematic aspect of that became uh, kind of inculcated in our culture. And now it's kind of uh, being flared up or it's uh, being propagated by uh, the transgender movement or the transgender movement is a uh, using that as kind of ammo for its thing or using it as ammo for its kind of salience,
0: you know? Well, what they say is, is, well, the, you know, if, if, to, if somebody can uh, be transgender, if they can identify as a girl, why can't I identify as, as nothing? Why can't I identify? <laughs> why can't I, why can't I be a girl for two seconds and then 30 seconds be a boy and then two and a half minutes be a girl and then 10 minutes be a boy and, Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth.
1: Yeah, right. Which, which I think the question of uh, the transgenders, and I think this is also kind of where you see a shift in kind of the, the rhetoric on gay marriages, it's, I, or kind of the rhetoric on gay rights, is how it is, is really uh, how it got accepted. And my theory is, is that people became more and more, once they kind of accepted gays as, as their own, they kind of uh, became much more kind of attuned with, I guess, kind of the perceived struggles of gays. And now they're ultimately projecting it on the transgenderism or maybe it's that the the trans mov- movement has kind of co-opted it and used it as the, kind of their own thing, you know. And they think of stuff like, oh, well, gay people are more likely to kill themselves because they weren't accepted. So now trans people are more likely to kill themselves because they're not accepted, you know, or something like that.
0: Well, I and think because- it. I think what it did is, is, is it opened the floodgates. <laughs> yeah. It opened the
1: floodgates. There were standards,
0: whether you agreed with the standards or disagreed with the standards, there were standards, standards, all sorts of standards. And standards, uh, uh, a lot of them were based in reality. Now they've decided that not only are certain standards wrong because they're not necessarily based in reality or they're not, they're not, uh, nuanced enough. Now we should, because of that, instead of modifying those standards, we should get rid of the solution is we'll do away with all standards. If I think I'm a dog, I'm a dog. If I think I'm a cat, I'm a cat. If I think I'm a penguin, I'm a penguin. And, uh, you know, so, you know, one of these days I'm going to go down to the, the dog pound and some guy is going to be naked licking his balls with a dog collar on and trying to get me to adopt it.
1: Yeah, I would, I, I think I would, I would agree with that to some extent because I think there's been this cultural shift where kind of what was originally seen as kind of the out group has become the in group and the, in, in kind of like a, a overall kind of societal stance. And now what was once the in group or, or kind of the values the in-group hold are kind of being jettisoned for the out-group and just being, uh, I guess, maligned and stigmatized, which I, I don't think it has as much to do with perhaps as much of a relativism as it just has a, oh, we're going to accept these people and you people have these sorts of views or these sorts of values, you're, you're bigots or something, you know? Right. Which I, I, I should say kind of uh, underscoring this a little bit more, what I've always been interested in is Andrew Sullivan's take on the gay marriage movement, which uh, he thought that uh, kind of the pre... He thought the kind of the first, like, uh, I don't know, the era, first era of the gay rights movement of kind of the impetus in America was in the 70s. And these people were very much kind of tied to the new left, where they saw kind of like the mainstream society is just bourgeois and horrible. And they had no problem seeing as being seen as a So therefore, they didn't care about something like gay marriage, which uh, today is viewed as like the, the most imperative proxy for gay rights. But uh, he thought that. Andrew Sullivan's theory is that it's starting in the 90s and the 2000s, the kind of gay community started becoming or started becoming more conventional. And they, they started putting an emphasis on things like gay marriage and that we wanted this from kind of a lot of conventional arguments. And he thought that he thought in a way that's what actually kind of spurred gay marriage. And he also one of the things he thought in the 90s and 2000s was that when people would argue gay marriage, they weren't quite as maligning them as much. And they weren't saying, oh, well, you're going to go kill yourself. And I, I hear a lot of the rhetoric at the time. It's like, oh, what's going to happen with gay married, Gay people get married? They're going to get married. What happens when gay marriage is allowed? They're going to get married, which, like it or not, it seems kind of innocuous from that. That rhetoric seemed kind of innocuous. Gotcha. And today, today, so, when I see it, it's much more belligerent. <laughs> it's, I was just going to say one more thing. Today, when I see kind of the rhetoric, it's much more belligerent. It's that if you don't accept gay people, then they're going to kill themselves or something. And I think there's a question of uh, how that became, how that shift uh, uh, was ushered in.
0: So, to take a little commercial break, and this is not a solicited commercial, I don't get paid a thing for this, and neither does a brighter later. I'm going to recommend something, and I've never recommended anything on this on this podcast. I'm going to re- recommend the con- comic strip stonetoss.com. Stone, S-T-O-N-E T-O-S-S dot com. Very funny. Talks about politics, talks about social issues. Do I agree with all the different comics that he puts up? No, I don't. But... A lot of good stuff, so check it out. Um, yeah, I, I, the idea that any if you don't agree with someone or you don't support their claims, that you're, you're causing them to die is ridiculous. If you decide to kill yourself because I refuse to believe that you're a penguin, then I, I guess that's your choice. But I'm not going to change reality for you. I'm not going to lie for you uh, because you're threatening to kill yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, it could just be with the... Kind of why, I guess, transgenderism and all the other stuff that I'd argue is a slippery slope uh, became kind of propagated due to the gay marriage or do kind of gay gay rights becoming more accepted. It could be that now it's just that uh, because gay people essentially argued, OK, this is innate in me. Uh, I like being gay. It's not a mental illness or something or that we're normal or whatever or we want to fit in. That's uh, that's essentially what like transgender people are doing. They're saying, "Oh, well, I'm trans. I just want to fit into society, and you need to accept me like you did with the gay people." You know. And it... well, the only, the, well,
0: let me say this: the only the only problem I have with the only only real problem I have with uh, with with homosexuality is when they when they're determined that other people have to accept it instead of just be living their own lives. So there's a couple there's a couple of problems. There's counterproductive. I bring this up all the time. If you want to be, if you're a homosexual and you're part of the homosexual community and you want to be accepted as main part of mainstream society, you have to stop throwing on a carnival freak show every year in the form of the gay pride parade. If you're out there walking around half naked or naked and wearing leather chaps uh, and a codpiece and you're, you're performing sex acts in the middle of the street in front of families and children, and for all to see, nobody in their right mind is going to ever accept you. Now, if your goal is just to, sh- just to shove it in everybody's faces and say, too bad, what are you going to do about it? Then, we'll, then OK, you've achieved your goal. But if you truly want to be seen as as a, as a normal part of society, then that's counterproductive to your stated goal. So is your stated goal really
1: your stated goal? That's really the bottom line. Yeah, I, I definitely concur with that. And I, I would say kind of a hearkening back to kind of Andrew Sullivan's take on it he thought starting in like the nineties and the two thousands that they particularly put an emphasis on, okay, don't put on the carnival freak shows look like normal people, you know, try to blend in, which I don't know if this is quite an irony, but uh, once they get gay rights, they start to going totally back or, or uh, they start going back to the carnival freak shows in the nth degree, you know, which, which does kind of make you wonder what exactly was going on the whole time. Right. Was it that they were just a, was it that uh, they just wanted gay rights by any any means possible and then it was uh, once they got it they just didn't give a shit and they kind of I guess uh, back to kind of Andrew Sullivan where he thought that uh, they made like a conservative case for gay rights where they just love each other and marriage is supposed to be socially kind of a stable thing or a stabilizer that uh, that's what the that's what they were arguing for gay marriage and then that eventually just got thrown out the uh, out the wayside and once they got it they just said screw it we don't need to argue anymore and now you have to accept us you know
0: yep That's exactly what it is, in my opinion. And, of course, you know, that also kind of dovetails into pedophilia. Uh, Pedophilia, as we all know, uh, you know, talking about the Gay Rights Parade, NAMBLA, N-A-B-L-A, North American Man-Boy Love Association, is a openly pedophilic organization that promotes sex between men and young boys. And they have a sister organization, but I forget what it's called. And it used to be in North America, it used to just be in the United States and Canada. But now it's it's spread, it's got branches all over the world. And they participated, they were allowed to participate, openly participate in the gay pride parades for at least 20 years. For at least since the early, early, early 70s into the early 90s the only reason why they stopped participating in the parades is because two lesbian organizations announced to the to the to the to the to the, or, to the organizers of the gay pride parade that if they didn't stop letting nambla participate and it was a big fight big argument if they didn't stop letting nambla participate they were going to make a big stink in the media and they were going to boycott the parade and suggest other people do yeah so if that hadn't have happened, there's a good chance that Nambla would still be marching in the gay pride parades. And now we're calling pedophiles. In fact, a, woman, a teacher was just fired for this. She was in an English class and she was saying, don't make fun of pedophiles. Don't call them pedophiles. Don't make fun of people that want to have sex with five-year-old children. They can't help it. Just call them MAPS. Minor attracted persons. I say, and I know you don't completely agree with me on this, but it went from homosexuality to transgender to non-binary, everybody gets their own gender. To, um, I think I think the next one's going to be. Well, no, no, no. There was a stopgap. Uh, there's also people that believe that they're wolves and cats and dogs and all sorts of other crap. But I think the next stop on the on the on the on the railroad is pedophilia. In fact, I think we're already here.
1: Yeah, we, we obviously already discussed that. Uh, remember
0: the remember the gay woman that said that if she had known that it was going to lead to this. She never would have fought for her rights to be a lesbian.
1: Yeah, I remember, you remember, remember us?
0: That? Remember us playing that during the, one of the one of the podcast episodes. Yeah, so it's well, not just me seeing this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I should say that uh where I do think this ultimately has become a slippery slope, and I already brought up how I think something became inculcated, and people are now much more empathetic to kind of trans or particularly transgenders or transgender. Or trans people, and obviously my main kind of umbrage with that is that, uh, I mean, with transgenderism, you seem to, I mean, you can look at the data; their, their mental well being does not get better, and their their comorbidities, their mental comorbidities are off the wall, you know, and they don't get better when uh, they transition. What says to me that, uh, you know, it might be the case that this is actually whether we like it or not, or or whether we whether we want to be sympathetic with them, or whether whether we want to. Uh, just like the practice, it could just very well just be a mental illness, you
0: know? Oh, it's definitely a mental illness, in my opinion. Yeah. And with, with mental illnesses, you don't, uh, you don't incur, you don't condone, much less encourage mental illnesses. You try to give them proper, proper psychiatric care. If you encourage or condone mental illness, you're actually doing uh, really, you you know, you're you're doing a lot of harm to that person. Yeah. And their families and the community at large.
1: Yeah. I, I should say, though, with uh, transgenderism is that, uh, I mean, I, I was reading a Pew Research uh, poll that said in 2021, uh, it, they, people were asked if they think that the, the advent of transgender transgenderism is good for society, and I've only 38% said yes, to some degree. And then the rest were either indifferent or they were against it, which says to me that uh, it's not quite that we're taking this hook, line, and sinker, you know, that uh, this has been set, accepted at nauseum, which... I think you have to ask the question of why exactly, and is it going to be the case that uh, it will eventually become accepted? Which I well, hold up.
0: But... Well, the socio political uh, landscape is is on a pendulum. And we've been swinging to the left for a long time now. And I'm really, really hoping that we hit the tipping point and we start swinging back in the other direction. People keep saying, oh, this looks like we're getting ready to swing back in the other direction, or it looks like we're, we're starting to. I really hope that happens because if it doesn't, society is just going to come unglued.
1: Yeah, I would say that uh, I'm somewhat holding out hope, though. Terribly optimistic, as evidenced by a case by particularly the Nordic countries where we're seeing them ban kind of a transgender or hormone therapy. Right. And I mean, could you imagine if they did something like like imagine what the equivalent would be for gay? I guess gay rights in their eyes, and a country stymied that. You know. <laughs> right. Which says to me that to, they are to some extent listening to the data and they're coming back to kind of ration, uh, reason, as opposed to just being a purely uh, going off on their own emotions. So to that extent, I'm somewhat sympathetic or I somewhat hope that uh, optimistic. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, definitely. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm uh, uh, totally hopeful or or totally know what the future is going to hold on a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know because there there's some there's some people that you know the the, the societies go back and forth on the uh, on the, on the pendulum, but there are some some societies that swing so far in one direction that they just collapse. And we saw that with the Roman Empire. We've seen that with a lot of empires. And so, the Roman Empire lasted for a thousand years. I mean, we've only been on here for like not even not even three hundred years. So, is it very possible that we're going to collapse? I mean, who knows. If things don't change soon, we definitely will.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a transgender kind of frenzy keeps going and uh, I mean, I mean, the part where I'm probably very pessimistic on is that something like 17% of uh, Gen Z now identify as LGBTQ when it's the case that only like less than 2% of people identify as gay, you know? right? <laughs> Which, one, there's a couple ways you could look at it. You could say that Okay, well, gay marriage was the first thing, and now and now there's 17% of and now that's only like less than two percent of people, whereas a huge slew of people now identify as trans and all other stuff where that wasn't the case before. And that makes you wonder, okay, what happened here? You know?
0: Yeah, it's well, it's like Bill Maher said, it's called trans trender. Right. It's a trendy thing. Yeah. It's 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 definitely not a trend I would have saw coming. Yeah. But hey, I'm the guy that saw yo MTV raps. There was there was MTV and MTV played pop songs and rock songs and songs from the '70s and black and white and everything else Hispanic, and uh, it was great. And then all of a sudden they came up with a show that came on like once a day or once a week for an hour called Yo MTV Raps, and I was like, oh, this this rap music is such shit. It's gonna it's gonna be like it's it's gonna be like um, disco. It's gonna be a, a you know it's gonna be a fad. It's gonna go away. It's it's total shit. And now here we are, and uh, you know, there's no, there's there, there, are no rock videos. There's no videos of any kind on MTV, and uh, rap is all over the place. It's infected everybody. So, so it may look like a trend that's gonna that's gonna uh, you know eventually collapse, but
1: it may not. So are you saying that uh, we should just listen to whatever prediction you make and uh, think the opposite? <laughs> yes, based on the rap music. Yes. Right. Yeah, I don't. I I don't quite know. I mean, I I think the. The transgenderism kind of frenzy, as I said before, I think it has something to do with uh, now people are more empathetic to them and they kind of, uh, they can, uh, they they use like kind of gay rights as a backdrop where we see people like chemi- chemically castrated for being gay or just in prison and we're like, oh man, that was absolutely horrific, you know? And then we right. think the same thing's going to happen to transgenderism. I mean, Douglas Murray, this is his theory on kind of the trans frenzy and obviously he's a gay man, for those who don't know, the British comment, uh, the British writer, but uh <laughs> His theory is that uh, yeah, you got to make sure because everybody
0: when it's, it's kind of like Robert Spencer and Robert and uh, Robert Spencer and Richard Spencer, they get they get the two guys. Uh, so uh, Douglas Murray is a British uh, commentator; he's a political pundit out of the UK. Whereas uh, well, um, Charles well, Murray. Charles Murray is uh, is a, uh, a writer and uh, critical thinker here in the United States.
1: Two different people. Yeah, but to be fair, they they probably hate both of them, <laughs> at least those who at least right. Both. Both of them we're going to hate both of them but they're, to, they're
0: not they're not that, that different ideology, uh, ideologically
1: yeah but i remember reading uh in the death of the west he was kind of talking about kind of the trans frenzy and how it uh kind of got accepted so so fast or so briskly and uh his theory essentially was that it's due to guilt over how uh western countries handled the gay marriage or handled kind of gay rights and they have their right this idea that oh, we don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And we already know what the wrong side of history is due to gay marriage or kind of what we did to gays. So we have to accept uh, transgenderism uh, to the nth degree, you know? And that was his theory and why it became accepted. And I think kind of, I've always been sympathetic with kind of an empathy hypothesis. And I think to that extent, I'm sympathetic to that theory. And I think it uh, has a lot of merits.
0: Well, I'm going to say right now, and I've said this a million times, I am not going to accept transgenderism as a a real thing. Beyond being a mental illness. Yeah. I'm not going to, when somebody claims that they're a dog and, and they're a human being, I'm not going to accept that they're a dog. If they claim they're a cat, they're not, I'm not going to accept their cat. If they're born a man, I'm not going to accept that they're a woman. And if they're born a woman, I'm not going to accept that they're a man. And that's really the bottom line. You got to draw a line somewhere. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. I would say that, uh, I would, I would hold the same view though. I think we, we hold it for different reasons. Mine would be, your, well, yours seems to be more so it's so antithetical to reality that, uh, why should we keep propagating it? And mine would more so be that, uh, you know, it's not quite clear if this is actually going to be good for their kind of like mental, their kind of their psyche or their mental health. So we probably couldn't, shouldn't keep this charade along. And in my, in my mind, I would feel guilty in a way, just keep calling them by, a. Uh, whatever kind of pronoun they make up, because I feel like I would keep, keep their kind of transgender kind of, uh, I don't know, delusion, delusion uh, going. And uh, I don't think that would help them whatsoever, you know?
0: Well, it's even worse than that. They're trans transitioning small children. Yeah. And most, I think small children, I think it's like 79% of of uh, children that, that experience some gender dysphoria grow out of it by the time they hit puberty. Right. Well if you're already transitioning them and you're you're giving them things like lupron and and that's a you know a testosterone suppressor and various other things that to transition them you're fucking the kids you know makeup up from the beginning and you're destroying that child. Yeah. Oh you've changed your mind you were just going through a fad well too fucking late now.
1: Yeah. Well we should say back to kind of these liberals that love to argue that uh or I guess, I guess it could be anyone who accepts gay marriage, but it's particularly liberals, that they'll argue, oh, well, we need to accept gay marriage because it's a, it's a part of their thing or it's an immutable characteristic or something. And they, they uh, apply the same logic to kind of transgender people and say that, uh, oh, well, this is what they are. We need to accept this or else we're being bigoted or something like that. But the problem with that is that uh, the argument in the former case works fairly well because, I mean, 't think I don't think anyone actually believes that uh, gen- or conversion therapy is going to work for gay people no. and that's why it becomes particularly malicious but the case of transgenderism as you just outlined, a lot of people who identify as trans or seem to have some sort of uh, gender dysphoria they in transition a lot of them will kind of detransition and say, okay I don't I don't have those feelings anymore you know yep. which says in a way that uh, they uh, <laughs> their old uh, nemesis uh, conversion therapy might actually have some validity for in the case of trans people you know.
0: It may not have any validity, any staying power when it comes to homosexuals, but transgender is a whole nother thing. I'll say what I've said a million times over. And yes, I have my catchphrases that I, that I say on a regular basis. The difference between being a homosexual and being a transgender is the difference between somebody saying, I like to eat cat food, which I can't relate to, but that's possible. And somebody saying, I'm an actual cat. Yeah. One is possible. I can't relate to either one, but one is possible. One is not. You can enjoy eating cat food. You're never going to be a fucking cat. Right. Sorry, yeah. folks. Mm-hmm. I know reality is a is a bummer, but that's that's just the truth of the matter.
1: Yeah. I, I should uh, go back to kind of uh, what you view as kind of the impetus for this. Do you think, because, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast, but uh, I, I typically can hold the view that... Uh, we're just naturally more empathetic to people. And that just becomes, and that's really the essence of kind of the slippery slope. Whereas you don't seem to quite think it's as much kind of the empathy thing. You think it's more so that, uh, I guess, we live in some sort of postmodern society where there are no objective values and you can just be whatever you want to be. Yeah. That's what a lot of people kind of feel.
0: That's exactly what's happening. We've transitioned from an objective, uh, objectivist uh, reality, uh, an objectivist system to a subjectivist, also known as a. Postmodernist system. So we went from an objectivist system to where there's an objective reality to a subjectivist or postmodernist uh, re- uh, system where everybody gets to choose their own reality. And that simply doesn't work. That's pure chaos.
1: Okay. Well, to what extent would you factor in kind of the empathy hypothesis that, uh, people are just naturally going to feel empathy empathy towards people that are different. And they're going to think, Oh, I, I have to help these people or be accepting of them because if not, they're going to do horrible things and I'm going to be a horrible person. I,
0: I think that's more of a Western society thing. I don't think you find that in, in other parts or other cultures.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know if that's, well, I mean, the only part I would disagree or my, my, my second question that would be that uh, it really only seems to be the case that you're seeing kind of this gender uh, or a lot of this kind of woke, uh, craziness or woke frenzy in regards to kind of a sexuality and gender uh uh, in the west and that a lot of like middle east doesn't put up with it this doesn't seem to be a phenomenon in east asia well there's some
0: there's some countries that that have been dipping into this bullshit for a long time and i'll give you a couple examples thailand uh singapore um what's another good one um oh crap What's the what's the country where everybody where a lot of the call centers are out of? India. No, I mean yeah, India. India is a good one. India is a good example. Why can't th- who's where would Pacquiao fight out of?
1: Oh, Philippines. Philippines.
0: Philippines. Philippines. So Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia has has a real issue. has a has a weird thing with like lady boys and all this other bullshit, and they've had that 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 kind of crazy shit going on for a very very long time. Another country that's had some weird shit like that going on is Brazil. It's really popular in Brazil. It's really popular in the Philippines. It's really popular in uh, Singapore uh, and uh, Malaysia and you know India, places like that. Why I don't know. Those, those particular cultures seem to really really go for this nonsense.
1: The only thing where I would disagree with that a bit is in that uh, I mean I, I we've obviously all heard of like Filipino lady boy kind of a tropes or stereotypes, but uh, I I don't know if those countries actually actually as a whole accept a lot of that stuff, and they probably just view it as kind of a more recalcitrance or more of kind of a I don't know an, an outsider kind of thing, you know? I don't know because I never don't think been,
0: ne- never been to those pl- never been to never I've always wanted to go to uh, oh. Um... Fuck, man. Why can I never think of this country? We were just talking about it. Philippines? Phil, I don't know. I, I You know what? I, I've always wanted to go to the Philippines. I don't know if I'd like it because it's, it's, I was told by a friend of mine that spent some time in the Philippines that don't go anywhere in South Asia and South, Southeast Asia if you don't love uh, bugs, mosquitoes and spiders and yeah, uh, that lizards be... and all kinds of shit crawling all over you in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, I would... Uh also uh, uh absolutely he despised that but uh yeah, so let, me, where- let me let me just say fuck that <laughs> yeah well I, I was saying with those countries because i know uh, particularly japan and korea and i'm sure it's the case with the the rest of the asian countries i don't even think they accept gay, gay marriage you know right and that's where i would say that uh, it very well could be that uh, i mean maybe it says something if uh, they're allowed to have this kind of uh i don't know counterculture that they're more accepting but uh I don't think that's quite as much accepted in the mainstream. I, I know Brazil has gay marriage, but I'm not—I'm not even quite sure to what extent a, a gay marriage is really accepted, or if it's accepted to the extent that it is in the United States.
0: That I don't know. I know I've seen documentaries where people go down in Brazil, and there's like all these um,
1: transgender um,
0: prostitutes running around. They try to drug people so they can rob and rape them, and I don't know. It's fucking weird.
1: Okay. I guess kind of tying it back to kind of say, or I guess you said initially, kind of you view as shame a big part of this. Do you think there are a lot of people, do you think it's the case that uh, there are a lot of people who maybe quite uh, or initially aren't quite on board with uh, this kind of subjectivism, as you call it, or everyone having their own identity, but uh, they just get shamed into it? and then they
0: Yeah, pe- people are like, are we- we're, we're, we're herd animals. We're hurt animals. Even if you, even most people that are individuals will, will eventually break down. Even if they're individuals, they'll break down to, on a certain level. Uh, usually, just completely. I mean, but they'll at least break down to a certain extent uh, under the under the pressure of of uh, the influence of other people in society. Uh, I'm just an anomaly. I don't give a fuck. I don't hang out with homosexuals. I'm not, You're not gonna catch me hanging out, partying, hanging out with gay guys. Uh, I don't accept gay marriage. I don't accept abortion. I don't accept uh, transgender. I'm, yeah. never, I'm never fucking accepting pedophiles. And if you think you're a fucking dog, go out living in the, in the goddamn woods. <laughs> I just don't give a fuck. The idea that people are going to shame me or pressure me into saying something I don't agree with or, or whatever, no. There's certain things I have to hold back on this podcast on because simply because I don't want, to, want us to lose our podcast, but there's very few things that i even slightly hold back on and it's not it's not out of choice
1: yeah i understand yeah, i know you do yeah i i would say though that you brought up a, another uh you made me think of another uh interesting point i had but uh the part where i would somewhat say that uh it's not quite as much kind of herd mentality is that uh we have seen a lot of like mainstream figures absolutely just lambast and shame uh people on abortion and the number one thing they love to say is that, uh, oh, well, you're pro-life because you don't want a woman to have control of her body. Therefore, you're just a misogynist, you know, which where I think this is pertinent is that you actually don't see a shift. in You don't see a shift in a, abortion or people who are pro-choice and pro-life. And it's more or less kind of state os- or it's it's more or less been ossified, whereas you do see a substantial shift in things like gay marriage, you know, yeah. which I, I think maybe maybe says that there is hope or maybe says it's just pulling on different strings. I'm not quite sure.
0: Yeah. I I don't understand the idea that we want to control women's bodies. Nobody gives a fuck about controlling women's bodies. I don't understand where they come up with that idea from. I I guess they can't think of anything else. And so they're grasping at straws and that's the only thing they can come up with. I I don't know. I, I couldn't care less about controlling your body. If it was only your body and there wasn't another life involved, that that you know, uh, there's two. Believe it or not, contrary to popular myth, with certain women and and uh, you know jelly spine cowardly no balls men, liberals basically. Uh, th- there's two parents. There's a, there's a father and a mother, and there's grandparents and there's the community and there's a society, and so nobody gives a rat's ass. You know the people that are against suicide. Yeah. Hey, you want to commit suicide? Find a bridge right nobody's stopping you if you are wait if you're like hey i'm gonna go kill myself i'll be like all right i'm gonna get myself a snack
1: yeah well, I... <laughs> if you change your mind i'll be drinking a pepsi and sitting here eating some chips yeah I, I should say my main point there is that uh where, where i would probably push back on this kind of shame hypothesis and i'm wondering if it's just a this totally just becoming herd mentality is that uh i mean you could definitely argue that's probably the case with gay that's a big part of gay marriage but that doesn't seem to be another thing like like uh abortion where it is the case that we've seen the mainstream just absolutely absolutely just shame and lambast anyone that's pro-life those people don't seem to capitulate whereas it has to be the case that a lot of those people eventually capitulate on gay marriage you know which i think makes you wonder if uh why is that the case or if you if you even accept that premise
0: Well, I I don't know. And I'll tell you that they have the the pro-life movement has capitulated quite a bit, actually. Excuse me. And I'll tell you what I mean. When I was a teenager back in the 80s and I first got involved in Operation Rescue and various other pro-life organizations that did protests and marches in Washington, when I first got involved in all that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as involved as I was because, you know, for one thing, abortion is now basically illegal in Ohio. But when I, when, I, uh, when I first got involved in all that, there was armies of protesters protesting abortion. And I mean literally armies. It was, it was something to behold, honestly. It was, it was amazing. There, n- none of them were violent. None of these protesters were punching anybody or hitting any. They always show it in the movies, but that, I was around for all of it. None of that was happening. Nobody was doing that. Nobody was saying, I'm going to you know, hurt you or I'm going to kill you or, you know, you're a scumbag or no, nobody said that shit. Everybody was like begging them not to kill their baby and stuff like that. There were people that laid down in front of the door of Planned Parenthood or an abortion clinic, but nobody like put their hands on anybody. That, that just never happened. Uh, the police did hurt people to move them a lot away the door. I remember seeing this one guy. He, they picked him up by his wrist from behind his back and, and pulled his arm so high up it, it dislocated his shoulder. Um, for no reason, he was already handcuffed. So I guess they were pissed because he wouldn't get up, but, um, but slowly, but surely there's still people that protest in front of abortion clinics, still people that protest in front of Planned Parenthoods, probably not now, but the numbers started to dwindle dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, still people doing it but not nearly as many. Not, I mean, there's still people out there that I'm sure those people were still pro-life, but not nearly as active. Yeah. And I, and, and, uh, you know, not, then they got to where the Catholic church, there was people that would protest, but the, the first Saturday of every month, the cat, all the Catholic churches would, would protest at different Planned Parenthoods and there'd be, there'd be huge crowds. Um, so, that they still do that, I believe. I, I don't know if they do it now that the laws pa- the, the, that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, but but they yeah. used to. So, yeah, they've they capitulated quite a bit, actually. And I, I was really surprised when Roe versus Wade got overturned.
1: Yeah, I, I should say that uh that, that could be true that all uh, well, these people might have been browbeat into submission a bit and that uh, they, they're not as fanatical with their views, they still, well, they, they just,
0: they, I think <laughs> they just ran out of steam.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's more so probably, actually, you know what, that could be a case of kind of shaming actually, actually paying dividends. But uh, it would be it would be kind of you'd have to qualify it a bit in regards to other things, because uh, it's still the case, at least on surveys, these people are just as likely to be pro-life. They might they just might not be as open about it, you know, which typically it seems like uh, if you're going to if you're going to shame people or or uh, comporting with the rest of the data, that if they're going to shame people, then they're actually going to change their views views on things. But uh, that's interesting. I didn't think about it that way.
0: Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, it definitely, you know, there was some there's been some holdouts. I was one of them, but uh to be honest with you, towards the end I just never thought it was gonna happen. I was still gonna protest it because I'm still gonna fight the good fight. I'm still gonna fight what's right for what's right. But Roe versus Wade being overturned, I just I I said had completely given up hope.
1: Yeah, well and now
0: it's overturned, baby. And for all those jackass liberals that like to chant. What does democracy looks like? This is what democracy looks like. Well, that's what I'm saying to you now, you pieces of shit. What does democracy look like? This is what democracy looks like. So you want to have an abortion in Ohio outside our legal restrictions? Go right ahead. You can spend some time in prison.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We we, I mean, we didn't really touch as much on kind of our disagreement or to, to what extent our disagreement is on uh, uh, pedophilia or pedophilia itself becoming more accepted.
0: What's 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 your take?
1: The only part where I disagree with that is I think that they'll I think that they'll always be able to shame people, and I've always heard Republicans say that, uh, or or Democrats or liberals say that, uh, oh, well, you saying this is going to lead to pedophilia or straw manning thats never going to happen. And I, the other part I would kind of push back on is that uh, I know you make the case about maps, and I, I think that's not a good that's not a good uh, uh, sign, but. Uh, I've never seen, I've seen some absolutely gender lunatics that will uh, enforce the craziest things on gender ideology, but I've never heard one of these people say the same thing about pedophilia.
0: You know? So what do you think that uh, trans, what do you think that uh, transgender trans, uh, story hours? Uh, what, what, what do you, what do you think having small children go to uh, transgender strip clubs and, uh, and watching the, and giving and, and tipping the transgender uh strippers as they as they dance provocatively and do the splits and stick their crotches in their face what do you think what do you think it's about when they actually have the kids participate and dress up like transgender and dance around for grown men and then accept tips afterwards
1: well i don't know if the, what's it I, i've seen people like uh, these transgender uh i mean these drag queens or whatever uh uh-huh. and i've seen them interact with kids right which uh i think is so, very. So, so what do you think all that's about well, I'm saying I'm, I'm differentiating a bit. I, I definitely have seen the kind of transgender or I don't even think they're necessarily transgender but drag queen people. I haven't as much seen like actually like strip clubs where kids or kids no, participated in They do i'll eight, I'll, I'll, I'll,
0: give, I'll give you the videos.
1: Okay. Well, I'm wondering to the extent that you think it's going on. I don't I don't want it to go on at all. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that that's not a good sign. It's just that you should expect those same people to start to say that, oh, it's okay if you want to have relationships with uh, very underage kids. You know, of course. But I'm just wondering, have you seen kind of
0: well? Here's here's the sad part. Those kids that are that are that are giving, they're tipping these uh, transgender strippers, and and that are dressing up transgender themselves, and and doing dancing for grown men. There was one in Ohio. I used to have the video. I'm not sure if I still have the video or not. But it was a, it, I believe it was outside of Toledo. But they call them trans. Call it called a trans kid stripper or something like that. It, it was disgusting to watch. So, so here's the thing. Uh, oh. I lost my train of thought. Uh, when they go to these strip clubs, they don't drive themselves. You do realize that their low-life, scumbag, pervert parents are taking them.
1: Yeah. And if
0: that's not normalization, I don't know what is.
1: Well, I don't know if it's... Well, I think this also gets back to another point, and this is a point a lot of liberals make, that uh, I somewhat think is an okay argument, or that they, the kind of people are against kind of the or that thinks the uh, drag queen story hour or all that shit's uh, such a egregious thing, is what do you make of the case of like a Hooters where women are being overtly sexualized and kids go there? I mean, don't, I can... Don't,
0: don't let kids go in there.
1: Okay. But I'm saying I can remember being at Hooters at a very, very young age because I think uh, my uncle wanted to eat or something. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not right.
1: Okay, but I I, I guess my question well, is...
0: Well, let me ask you this. Were the, were the Hooters strippers coming up and sticking their crotch in your face? No. Did, were you tipping them in their in their garter belt? No. I don't think they have you get up and dance around sexually for the customers. No. Okay. That might be a little, little bit of a difference.
1: Well, I still think it's a case where, I mean, I, I imagine that's probably happened in most places, but I think the majority of the cases are, you're seeing these people in overtly sexual kind of uh, costumes or whatever. And that does seem to happen at Hooters and kids seem to go there, you know? And I I would say it's, it's,
0: it's, I think they're both wrong. I just don't think they're the same thing.
1: Yeah. I, I would agree with that because I think that uh, I mean maybe this is just a uh, some sort of cognitive bias but I think if you're a man doing it there's just something so degenerate about it that uh, that's just that just uh, doesn't really pass the smell test. Oh, for- oh, I
0: wouldn't want I wouldn't want to take a club and uh, I wouldn't want to take a kid into a stri- regular strip club. Yeah. Where a girl was dancing around on a pole and going around and getting tips from people including the kids. Hmm. I wouldn't want that. That'd be fucking horrible. Yeah. It's not like I'm against the transgender strip clubs doing it with kids, but I'm okay with the regular strip club. That would be fucking horrible. I'd, I, I'd, I would hope that the cops would bust in and, and take the club down.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess where I'm mostly putting an emphasis on this is that, uh, I, I'm sure there have been like, I am not even quite sure to what extent there's been like genuine strip clubs to where they would, they would uh, function the same way. A, I guess a regular strip club would, and the only difference kids being in there, but uh I definitely do think there's problems, or you could see instances where kids are uh, being brought into these incredibly over-sexualized environments, and the question is, what exactly do you make of that? And my retort, and I've always heard people make it, is that okay? What about Hooters, where little kids go into there, you know? Or, or right. the retort that I think is a, a somewhat, a, somewhat a decent argument. Uh, like, yeah, but I think I've already broken that argument down. Well, I think well you, well, I'm not quite sure the The part where I disagree with it is is that you're saying that these places are like like de facto strip clubs, or a lot of them are. They are. Okay. When
0: i when I, would- I watch when I watch the video, and I watch grown men dressed up like women come up and stick their crotch in some kid's face, or turn around and twerk, where the, where their gro- their groin and their butthole is is right there to inches from the kid's face, and then they turn around, and spread their legs, and have the kid give them a dollar in their in their in their garter belt. You, you don't you don't even I I can't say on this podcast
1: what I want to do. Yeah. Well, if that's happening ubiquitously and the parents stand by while they're doing shit like that. It's in, it's oh,
0: off. clapping and cheering. Okay. Encouraging the kids. The one kid's mother was trying to convince, they're like, oh, he's gay. And the kid was like seven years old. The kid's what? like, no, I'm not gay. And uh, he's he's embarrassed, but he's gay.
1: Yeah, that is. That's... I was like, what the fuck, man? What
0: are you doing to your kid?
1: Yeah. I guess the last thing I would say that uh, you think this is ultimately going to lead to pedophilia, which uh, I do. My my question is, I think you. it. I think it already has. Well, my question for you is that uh, do you think this is like a, I don't know, like a subdued or kind of a a more subtle pedophilia? Yes. Okay. Well, I, it's I guess not, we, it's not.
0: It's not child rape. It's the normalization of sexualization of children.
1: Okay. The crux where I would disagree with it a bit, as far as like there's going to be widespread pedophilia, like we're seeing with trans and gay rights acceptances, are we seeing mainstream commentators that uh, accept the craziest of the crazy in regards to the trans ideology endorse pedophilia? Well, not right now. Okay. Well, I, I would argue, and that... and
0: and the past when 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 uh, people would endorse homosexuality, they didn't endorse transgender.
1: I don't know what the what the point of that is.
0: Well, the point is, is that just because they're not doing it doesn't mean it's not heading in that direction. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it eventually won't come to that.
1: Well, I understand it's not a proof. I'm just arguing I, my, my, my question or rather what the argument is, is that, uh, if, if this is happening before our own eyes and this is becoming so salient, why aren't we seeing, uh, a lot of the crazy transgender commentators say that, uh, Oh no, we actually should endorse this. You know, I think we will. Okay. Well, I certainly hope not if, uh,
0: yeah, I hope not either, but I hope I'm wrong. I just don't think I am.
1: Yeah. Oh. I really, I
0: really hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And I, I I'm, a, say- I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. I really, I really sincerely hope I'm wrong. I
1: just don't think I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that uh, the one part that uh, where I'm, I'm very pessimistic about is that uh, if we see a widespread acceptance of people being very empathetic with uh, pedophiles, and I think that's just going to co- cause, I think that's going to cause disaster. Yep. Which, uh, it seems like I I don't know if our society is totally going in that direction, but uh, there are some rumblings of that, you know, but
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's, it makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me sick all over just thinking about it. Um, it it's just really, really disturbing. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to put into words how it makes me feel. Um, yeah. It makes me feel violent. That's, I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. It makes me feel violent like, I, I can just like feel like my, my nerves twitching. That's how my it
1: makes me feel. Yeah. I guess a lot of it is disturbing. Um, I guess we, it's kind of the first half uh, of this discussion. We were kind of talking about uh, gay marriage or kind of a, kind of that Washington Post article, and then you were kind of bringing up, uh, points uh, along to it. And then the last half we were kind of talking about transgenderism, and I guess the question now is that, uh, to do a little bit of a synthesis, is it the case that, uh, or why is it the case if it is the case uh, that this is just a slippery slope? Why is it the case that it's always going to be a slippery slope? And especially if it's the case that uh, some parts of homosexuality or some parts of a homosexuality being warranted or accepted uh, are seemingly fine, you know? Yeah. I I think I, that's the, that's I'm the
0: afraid point. to know what's coming next. Okay. Well, I'm not even sure because I never saw the whole transgender thing coming.
1: Yeah. Well, I, guess I, the- I I
0: never saw the I'm non-binary bullshit coming.
1: Yeah. I guess you were, uh, I know we played it a couple weeks ago, and I think it's one of the first, uh, it might have been like the third or fourth uh, episode we did, but uh, where we played that, uh, the, the lesbian woman who said that uh, she wouldn't have fought for her rights if she thought, if she would have known that it would have leaded to what we're seeing today.
0: Yeah. You know? she's, ta- she's talking about kids. She said, I wouldn't I wouldn't have fought for my rights as a lesbian if I had known it was going to lead the, the, to the sexualization of children. Yeah. And I agree with her. I tried to contact her. I tried to get her to get on the show, but she never responded. So,
1: yeah. And I, I guess the question I always have, or that I think is the uh, uh, most pressing in regards to this conversation and everything we talked about is uh, will we see, will it be the case that, uh, or or how many people that uh, realize a lot of kind of this transgender frenzy and realize that it comes from gay marriage or what we've seen of gay marriage that uh, might actually accept it, think that okay these really cannot be separated or it's really hard to separate it so and and if you kind of accept that premise then the then the next question is what exactly should we do you know <laughs> or what should the course of action be or what the court of act, what should the course of action uh, should have been or what should have been the course of action
0: well we need to slow things down and even reverse gears a little bit i'm just not sure that we have that we were capable of doing that yeah once the genie's out of the bottle, whether it's a good genie or bad genie, I don't know if there's any any putting it back.
1: Yeah, I, I should say that uh, the one part that makes me uh, kind of back to the the first part we talked about with that article is that uh, the one part that makes me kind of doubt that hypothesis a bit is that uh, if uh, if it was the case that uh, gay marriage became or gay rights became accepted just because of some sort of cognitive dissonance. Why is it the case that transgenderism has become so accepted when they seemingly have nothing uh, together? Which uh, I try to swear that by saying that uh, maybe it's the case that uh, gay marriage, once gay marriage was so accepted, something thematic happened, but uh, that could be a bit of a stretch too. That, could be, yeah, that I, could be. I
0: think it just opens the. Once gay marriage, gay marriage was like the tipping point. And once gay marriage and once homosexuality was completely embraced and accepted, it just threw the floodgates wide open for everything else. Because then people said, well, you know what, if we're not going to have standards on marriage anymore, if we're not going to have sexuality on any, uh, if we're not going to have standards on sexuality, then anything is okay.
1: Yeah. I'm afraid that that's probably, that's going to be, that's, uh that's going to be what transpires if it's not already totally transpiring right now, just because uh people, I don't know, I I tend to go with kind of the empathy hypothesis that uh, if you think that you're a malign group and there's already kind of a precedent for it, then you can do whatever you want, you know? And unfortunately that precedent might've been gay marriage, which uh, I would hope. And I think it's obviously very malicious with transgenderism and uh, what we're seeing with like kids transitioning and all of that. But I don't know. That's, that's, that's egregious enough as it is. And uh, obviously pedophilia becomes much more accepted or pedophilia becomes, um, I don't know, mainstreamed by the, by the laughter the frenzies on this, then that would be ever more uh, depressing.
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think that gay marriage in and of itself is is, is the most horrible thing on the entire planet. I don't support it, but I, I don't think it's the most horrible thing on the planet. I, I support gay civil unions. And I've already given the example of, of, of adoption is why I don't support gay marriage. But I don't think it's the I don't think it's the worst thing ever that could happen in the world. The problem is, is I believe it's the it's it opens the Pandora's box to everything else.
1: Yeah, I should say kind of a kind of uh, already made this point but just talking back to it is my final one that uh, andrew sullivan loves to make the point that uh, gay marriage become more accepted because it by and large used conservative arguments such as that uh, oh well this is a relationship ossifying and once they're married you're going to see uh, much more kind of like socially prudent values uh, uh coming to fruition and you're going to see much less risky sexual behavior and he thought that was by and large how kind of gay marriage is argued but Obviously, it's the case now that it seems to be that uh, those were just thrown right out the window once it passed. So, yeah, it seems like the reverse. Once, yeah. once
0: the floodgates were open, the floodgates were open. We don't have to pretend to be normal anymore. Yeah, they, so is, ba- is basically what they've said.
1: Yeah, so it might be the case that, uh, or at least in that respect, that marriage might have been a bit debased, or might have been pretty. If that was the that was the kind of machinations in regards to gay marriage, where they acted like they supported it for somewhat to, uh, conventional reasons, and then they totally do a one eighty. Yep. So.
0: As soon as they got what they wanted, they took the mask off and showed us who they really are.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Very sad and depressing. We had to learn the hard way, which is which is the case with most things. It's more the case with liberals than it is conservatives, but it's it's pretty much the case with everybody. People have to learn the hard way every goddamn time. Yeah, but then it's too late. Once they learn the hard way, it's too late.
1: Yep, that could be. <laughs> that could be a. Uh... That could be the theme of this podcast.
0: Human beings are the small child. That the only way that there's certain children that they'll, they can, certain children will learn by other people's mistakes. Certain people, children will learn by people telling them not to do something. Hey, listen, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. And they'll listen. And and like I said, certain children will learn by seeing other people's mistakes and learning from those others' mistakes. And then there's the third type. And the third type is the only way I'm going to learn not to touch the hot stove is to touch the hot stove. And I think that's the overwhelming majority of people.
1: Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that uh, with what we've already been talking about, uh, it could very well be the case that uh, they touch the hot stove and they don't realize it or something. You yeah. Know, or they yeah they
0: just they just leave their hand on there till it f- f- fries
1: to a crisp. Yeah, or they maybe maybe another way of parsing this out is that. Uh, they realize the hot stove in the case of transgenders, and where transgender transgender people seem to be less and less happy, even though they're more and more accepted. And they think that, oh well, there's still bigots out there that uh, won't accept us or something, you know. Right. Even though it's the case that uh, they're the ones actually propagating their own kind of distress. I think that's probably as far as the analogy of the hand on the stove and them <laughs> and them not learning. I think that's probably the or or the hand of the, just the initial hand of the stove. I think that's probably more so what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, that's the only way they can learn. There's no, there's no there's no learning from other people's mistakes. There's no learning from people telling you. You have to fuck up yourself, and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Really? You think? Yeah. Oh, I should have d- drove 100 miles an hour on dark roads that I've never been on before in the middle of the night in a storm. <laughs> oh, yeah, but now you've uh, you're crippled for life, and you're in a wheelchair, and you piss and shit through a tube. I guess I learned that lesson. That's the average person.
1: Yeah. I think you're pretty much touching everything. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say,
0: I'm not an optimist. Nobody can ever accuse me of being an optimist. So I I think we've touched on pretty much everything. Uh, I think we've laid our cards on the table. Uh, Both expressed our positions. Um, We went over that article, which was a decent article. Um, Made a lot of points. And uh, I think that's it, folks. So, you know, we discussed uh, the, the rapid acceptance of homosexuality in Western civilization uh, and the possible implications when it comes to the slippery slope. Transgender, non-binary, and in my opinion, pedophilia. And let's not forget, I'm a wolf, but I was born a human. Because God knows I don't want to be a bigot against the wolf people. All right. So we drop, if you like what you heard today, um, we drop an episode Monday through Friday. In other words, Sunday going into Monday uh, after 1201 uh, Monday morning. And then the last episode is Thursday night going into Friday morning. So that's uh, 1201 a.m. Friday morning. Five episodes, and they range anywhere from an hour to two hours to three hours, depending on the guests that we interview or depending on the topic that we discuss uh, and various other factors. And we try to give you the best possible conversations with, with little to no filter. Um, there has to be some filter or we would get, we would lose this podcast and I'd rather not do that. So we've also added another feature. I've added another feature. It's called M- moronic roundtable discussions. And I've already, I'm in the process of, uh, of editing a moronic roundtable discussion now. Um, and it's going to be out this Saturday morning. It's a bonus episode. So Friday night going into Saturday morning, uh, 1201 Saturday morning after that, that'll be, it'll be released. Um, and it's moronic roundtable discussions. And, uh, you'll have to find out the topic when you, uh, when you get there, but it's a different topic than last time. I'm going to try to make it a different topic every night or every, I'm sorry, every Saturday. So, each time it'll be a, a group, a large group of people talking about uh, very important socio-political issues, technology and and uh, government and all sorts of other issues. And it's always going to be something that they have absolutely no clue what the hell they're talking about, but they have plenty of opinions. And they sit around, they pontificate like a bunch of lunatics and fools. So I I, th- I find it somewhat entertaining, somewhat frustrating. You tell me what you think. All right. I think that's it. Um, So tonight, as you're going to sleep and you're laying in the dark and you're staring up at the ceiling and you're drifting into dreamland, I want you to repeat this mantra over and over and over again. Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right 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 and when you wake up in the morning you'll feel like a completely new human being the sun will shine brighter the flowers will smell sweeter the birds will sing your name the air will feel crisp and all will be right with the world and if it's not, it means you're a knuckleheaded jackass and you're not listening to enough conservative atheist podcast. I'll catch you knuckleheads next time. Stay safe.